Greetings, friends and family. This is Dr. Vincent Moore. I'm the senior pastor Messiah for Gospel Bible Fellowship here in Los Angeles, California. As you know, God has tasked us with making a series of videos that give insights and helpful tips to the meaning behind God's word that you might be thoroughly equipped to glorify God and be a blessing to others. Now, I want to start today in the book of Zechariah. I'm in the book of Zechariah. I'm in the fourth chapter. I'm at verse 10. I'm in the book of Zechariah. I'm in the fourth chapter. I'm at verse 10. The Bible says, for who hath despised the day of small things? Now, small things here refers to details. All right. The Bible is telling us details make the difference. Details make the difference. I need you to know that if you're going to be rooted and grounded in your faith, the more details, you know, uh, the more grounded you're going to be. Now, I say that because Jesus uh, teaches us a pattern. You know, he often was repetitive in the things that he said because he understood that in order for a thing to sink down in you and become something that you believe, you must hear it over and over and over again. Now, we pick up on that same style of Jesus where sometimes we might be repetitive, but in our repetition, we always add new details. So I pray that when you listen to these messages, that you would listen in depth and be searching and looking for the details because the details make the difference. Now, we've been talking around the concept of God's glory. We've been talking around the concept of God's glory and how glory is the manifestation of God in us in the form of his character, his nature and his attributes. Glory is about taking dominion over the earth through the discovery and the development of God's character or image in us. I want to say that again. Glory is about us taking dominion over the earth through the discovery and the development of God's image or his character in us. Now, we've talked about how sin has caused us all to lose God's image and the ability to be able to glorify God in the garden when the devil deceived Adam and Eve. Now, uh, I want you to know that um, that uh, because of this, God has commanded us all to be born again because we lost God's image in the garden. We lost the ability to be able to glorify God. And this comes against the plan that God had because glory, as we'll show you uh, later on in future teachings, glory is at the foundation of God's plan for life here on earth. Now, God is calling us all to be born again. And I want to kind of show you why, but I want to show you in a different way. So if you go with me to Genesis, the first chapter, I'm in uh, verse 26. I'm in Genesis, the first chapter. I'm at verse 26. Now, we find ourselves here before man sins. This is a place before sin enters into the picture with God and man. Right. The Bible says. And God said, let us make man, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God is making man here. He's making man here. And the word make is the word bara, which means that he is making man out of what God is made out of. So God is literally pulling man out of himself so that what's in God is actually in the man. Now, God is making this man, but he's making this man in his image or with his character and nature. So God is making man with God's image and character. Now, this is before the fall. Now, 
after the fall, things change. After the fall, things change. And we can pick that up in the fifth chapter of the book of Genesis. Now, in Genesis five, I'm at verse one. I'm in Genesis five, verse one. Now we find Adam in this situation after the fall. This is after the fall, after man sinned in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in uh, verse one of the fifth chapter of the book of Genesis, he says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Now, verse three starts a separate paragraph because it's a different thought. Right. He says, and Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begot a son in his own likeness, not the likeness of God, but in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. So I need you to see here this little detail in Genesis 1 26. When God originally made man, he made man with God's image. But after the fall, after the fall, man uh, lost the image of God and developed the image of a fallen, lost, disobedient child. Man was originally made with the character and the nature of almighty God. But because of sin in the garden, he took on the image of a fallen, disobedient, powerless man. Now, I want to show you uh, a little bit more of this uh, and uh, in a little bit greater detail, if you go with me to Psalms, I'm in the book of Psalms. I'm in Psalms 82, Psalms 82, and I'm at verse six, Psalms 82, and we're at verse six. Right now in Psalms 82, verse six, you see here what we're talking about in verse six. Right. He says, I have said you are gods. Now, this is David speaking as relates to what God has already told him. He says, I have said you are gods and all of you are children of the most high. God. So God is saying here that we're gods. But if you pay close attention in verse six, the word for gods here is with a little G. Whenever the Bible speaks about God, the father is always a big G. But when it speaks about us, it's a little G as if we were chips off the old block or children of the big G God. So God said, I, I have said you are gods and all of you are children of the most high. But verse seven says, but you shall die like mere men and fall like one of the princes. Right. So God is saying here that who we are, right, has fallen from a state of being gods to a state of being just mere men of just being mere men. We have lost our power and our authority, but most importantly, we have lost the image that allows us to be able to glorify God and receive his power, right? Now, God is asking us again because of this to be born again. Now, every birth requires a seed. Every birth requires a seed. In 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 23, the Bible says that you and I are born again, uh, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed. So you and I are born again of a seed. Luke 8 verse 11 says that the seed is the word of God right now. 
And we know that the word, the Bible says, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. So God begat us again through a seed. And that seed is the word. And the word was with God in the beginning and put on flesh. And we know him as Jesus Christ. So Christ is the seed of God's glory in us. Christ is the seed of God's glory in us. Colossians 1 verse 27 says Christ in us is our hope of glory. Colossians 1 verse 27 says Christ in us is our expectation of God's glory, huh? of God's glory through us. In John, in the Gospel of John, in the 17th chapter, I want you to go there with me, at verse 22. I'm in John in the 17th chapter at verse 22. We're saying that Christ is the seed of God's glory and that God wants to manifest through you. Now, in John 17, verse 22, Jesus says, and the glory which thou gavest me, he's talking about the father. The father has given Jesus glory. He says, and the glory which thou has given me, I have given them. So Jesus received glory from the father to be able to give to us. Why? He says that they might be one even as we are one. Now, when Jesus is speaking of the oneness here, he is saying that he, the son and the father and the Holy Spirit are one because they share the same image. I want to say that again. Jesus is speaking of oneness and he speaks of oneness throughout scripture. And what he's saying here is that him, Jesus, the son and God, the father and God, the Holy Ghost are all one because they share the same nature, character or image. Image is the first manifestation of God's glory in us. Image is the first manifestation of God's glory in us. And Christ, the son of God, is the seed of God's image. And Christ, the son of God, is the seed of God's image. Now, if you go with me to Hebrews one. Right. We can let the word confirm this. I'm in Hebrews. I'm in the book of Hebrews. And I am at the first chapter. I mean, Hebrews. And I am at the first chapter and I am at the first verse, right? Hebrews one, verse one. Now, the Bible says God, who had sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. He says, having these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, verse three is where I wanted to go. He says, who talking about the son being the brightness of his glory, right? Being the brightness of the glory of the father and the express image of his person. So the Bible is telling us here that the father sent the son to us as a representation of the image that creates uh, his and in turn our personalities. So God's image in us gives us God's personality. God's image in us gives us uh, God's personality. Look with me even further as we go here to the book of uh, Colossians. I'm in the book of Colossians. I'm in the first chapter. I'm in Colossians. I'm in Colossians one. I'm at verse 14. I'm in Colossians one verse 14. The Bible says 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So right away, we know that they're talking about Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Verse 15 says, who again, who is a reference to the subject here? And the subject is Christ Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The Bible confirms that Christ Jesus is the image of God and that God is seeking to manifest that image or Christ in you. In fact, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Now, look with me further here because I'm in uh, the same book of Colossians in the first chapter. But now I'm in verse 20. I'm in verse 20 right now. In verse 20, the Bible says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now, the key word here is the word reconcile, the word reconcile. The word concile means to make one. The word concile means to make one. To reconcile implies that something was one and then something caused it not to be one with something else again, but then reconcile means to become one one more time. So God's trying to, through Christ, make us one with him by giving us of his personality or his image, character, and nature, right? So God is truly trying to bless us here. Now, if you go with me to the second chapter, of the book of Colossians, right where we are, right? I'm in verse six. I'm in the second chapter of the book of Colossians, but now I am in verse six. I'm in verse six. Now, verse six says, as we have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. God wants us to operate uh, in life through his image. God wants us to operate life through the mirror or the glass rather of his image. He wants us to see life through his nature, through his character, and then operate as his character dictates to us. Verse seven here says, uh, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding, the Bible says, with thanksgiving. Now, the word thanksgiving here is a word for praise. So thanksgiving and praise then is the key to being rooted and grounded. God wants you to operate uh, in operate in life through his image. That is his character and nature. And to be rooted and grounded in that image. Right. You must praise God. You must praise God. Now, we're going to touch on that just a little bit more. But look with me at verse eight In verse eight. He says, beware, at least any man spoil you through the philosophy and the vain deceit after traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. God is saying here that the way he operates does not have to fit the logic of men. God is saying here that the way he operates does not have to fit the logic of men. God has his own truth. In fact, he is the only author of truth. We're supposed to believe God before we believe anybody else. Now, verse nine gets deeper. It says, 
it says here for in him, that's Christ. Right. He says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. All right. So where God is going with this now, he's trying to say that if you get his image, if you manifest his image in you, then there are many things that are going to follow. That is, God wants to make you complete. He wants to fill you up with everything that he is and has. God wants to make you complete. And you begin that process by manifesting his image. As you manifest his image, then everything else will follow. Remember this principle, right? When God made man, he made him in his image. Then he made him in his likeness. Then he gave him uh, dominion. Now, image is nature or character. Dominion is power. So image before power, image before power. Image before power is the rule. So God is saying here that you will be complete. You will be complete if you pursue his image. If you pursue manifesting the image of God, then everything else God has for you will then begin to follow. It'll then begin to follow. Now, verse 11 is where I want to close this particular passage with. He says, in whom also uh, you are circumcised with the circumcision uh, uh, in the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, the word circumcision here is a deep word because it first means to be inclusive. It means to be inclusive. So what is circumcised is included in what it was excluded from. God is trying to bring us back here into the fold, back here into his family. So circumcision deals with inclusion by revealing what has been hidden. Sin has hidden. Sin has hidden the true nature of God in us. Sin has hidden the true nature of God in us. And God is trying to get us to be born again to reestablish that particular nature. So he sent Christ to do some work. And through the circumcision of Christ, uh, what has been hidden can be revealed so that we can be included back into the plan of God and everything God has for our lives. Now, if you've been blessed by this word, I want you to take a moment, right? And then hit that like button and also hit the subscribe button. And if you feel so inclined, please share this message with everybody that you can. If you are truly blessed by this word, then we want you to go to messiahfullgospel.com. And we want you to go to messiahfullgospel.com and hit the donate button and help sponsor this message so that we can continue to put it out at this level and touch as many people as we can. Through God, all things are possible. Through God, all things are possible. Now, continuing with this message, I want you to go with me to the third chapter of the book third chapter of the book of Colossians and I am at verse nine and I am at verse nine. Now, now this is deep because he says here, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, there's a concept here that deals with what the Bible is calling the old man. The old man is who we have created ourselves to be. The old man is the image that Adam had after he lost 
the image of God through sin in the Garden of Eden. So he says here that there's an old man. There's an old man that is created after the image of Adam. He says, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off this old man. So we're supposed to be putting him off. Verse 10 says, and have put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So God is saying here, right, that he wants us to lose the image that we talked about back in the fifth chapter of Genesis that Adam had after he fell and then put on the image of God, put on the image of God uh, in knowledge and understanding. Now, go with me down to verse 12, because I want you to see here that God is giving us a picture of his image being expressed. He's giving us a picture of his image being expressed from us. This is what it looks like. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, the Bible is saying in verse 14 and above all these things, put on charity. Now, charity is another word for love. Charity is another word for love. So he says, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, in the Bible, God calls us all to be perfect. But the word perfect in the Bible doesn't mean you got it all together. The word perfect in Scripture means to be mature. The word perfect in Scripture means to be mature. So when you look at verses 12 through 14, again, God is trying to give you a picture of what his image in us begins to look like. Now. As we develop God's image in us or we develop God's image in us by recreating Eden, Eden is the original environment of God's presence. Eden is the original environment of God's presence. Right. And as we do and and we create Eden through praise. Now, Eden is what allows us to be able to grow. Eden is what allows us to be able to grow. We recreate Eden through praising God. Now. Truly effective praise develops as our heart's value of God rises because we begin to pay attention to his daily activity in our lives. Truly effective praise is developed as our heart's value of God rises because we begin to pay attention right to the daily activity of God in our lives. As we watch God move in our lives daily, right? Our love for God then begins to grow. God loves us and his love motivates him to give into our lives in such a way as to build us up. And when we acknowledge God's giving with praise, he envelops us in his presence, which stimulates the growth of his image in us. So God has created a pattern here. God has created a pattern. His love for us motivates him to give into our lives. But when he gives, he gives in such a way as to build us up. So we can't miss when he gives. Right. Because he always builds us up. Now, when we acknowledge that God has given into our lives and we thank him, we are praising him. And when we praise him, he envelops us in his presence, which then stimulates uh, the growth of his image in us. This pattern of God 
or the pattern that God of God's giving to us uh, and our praise as a response to his giving was meant to be a way that we could stay in his presence by keeping his praise on our lips. So God gives in to us daily. Right. Psalm 68 uh, talks about this. God gives in to our lives daily to elicit a response of praise from us. Right. And he gives us daily because he wants his praise to be continuously uh, in our mouths. He wants his praise to be continuously in our mouths. God wants this because he wants praise to be a lifestyle for all believers. God truly wants praise, thanking him for who he is and thanking him for what he's doing in your life. He truly wants this to be a lifestyle for all believers. God wants an intimate love relationship with all his children. He wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. God wants an intimate loving relationship with all of his children because he wants to be included in every aspect of his of our lives. So with this thought in mind, God wants you to stay in his presence. God wants you to stay in his presence. So when should we praise God? Look with me at Psalms 34. I'm in Psalms 34, 34th number of the Psalms. In Psalms 34, the Bible speaks. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Again, the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise was meant to be an everyday part of life in good times and in bad times. God's intent was that you would continue to praise him no matter what the circumstances and no matter what the situation. When it comes to uh, praise as a lifestyle, King David is the perfect example to study. When it comes to praise as a lifestyle, King David is the perfect example to study. You see, in good times, David never took God's goodness for granted. In good times, David never took God's goodness for granted. He constantly told God how good he had been to David and how grateful David was to have God as a father. This is a pattern that you and I must develop. You see, like David, we must develop a pattern of seeing all the good in our lives as gifts from God. Just like David, you and I must develop a pattern of seeing all the good in our lives as uh, gifts from God above. Now, in bad times, we must train our thinking to turn to God in praise. In bad times, we must train our thinking to turn to God. You know, usually when we get a bad time in our life, we call our best friend or we call uh, some relative or some person and begin to dialogue with them. What we've got to learn how to do is that whenever a problem comes, we've got to know that the answer is always in our father. God is full of the solutions to every problem that the devil could bring our way. And what you and I have to do in bad times is learn how to turn our mind right uh, to God whenever those bad times kick in. You see, I use bad times as a trigger 
to make me run to God. I've set up in my mind and I've talked to myself to make bad times a trigger right in me that makes me turn to God. Right. So in bad times, we must train our thinking to turn to God and praise, because when we do right, then God becomes our hiding place. He also becomes our fortress. He also becomes our help in our times of trouble. Through praise, we get God involved in our trouble. And the Bible says when he's involved in our trouble, then he becomes our right arm or our strength. Right. The Bible also calls him when we praise him in times of trouble, our battle axe. Right. So in our bad times, God wants us to know we are not alone, even if we are the source of the bad time. Go with me to Isaiah. Go with me to Isaiah. I'm in Isaiah 48. And I'm at verse nine. I'm in Isaiah 48, verse nine. Now, this is deep and I use this all the time because I used to get in trouble all the time. It's not that I don't now, but I still sometimes. Now, listen, in Isaiah 48, verse nine, the Bible says, for my sake, will I defer my anger and for my praise? Will I refrain for thee that I cut thee not off that I cut thee not off? Right. So God is saying here. Right. That praise, praise is something that you can do no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. In good times, praise keeps God giving into your life. In bad times, praise puts God in the midst of your trouble. When you are the source of the trouble, then praise causes God to defer his anger towards you and not cut you off and keep you consistently in the midst of his power. Praise is an awesome tool. I want you to know that praise is how we make room for God uh, in our lives. Praise is how we make room for God in our lives. Now, in closing, I want to give you a secret. I want to give you a secret, right? Every day you wake up into, every day you wake up into has two authors. Every day that you wake up into has two offers. One author is the devil and the other author is God. The devil, the devil authors days for you uh, that lead to your defeat. The devil authors days that lead to your defeat while God authors days that lead to your victory. While God authors days that lead to your victory. Which day you walk in is determined by how you start your day. Which day you walk in is determined by how you start your day. Praise puts God in charge of the day when you begin the day with God. Praise puts God uh, in the position to take control of your day when you start your day with God. So don't look at the newspaper. Don't go to the Internet. Don't even eat to start your day. Praise first and watch God take over. My brothers and sisters, it's been a pleasure to begin to, I mean, to be here to serve you again. I pray you have a blessed day today. God keep you. God be with you. And I'll see you again next time. God bless your heart, saints.